Now, I think that some of some people this morning knew what I was going to talk about so they didn't show up. But it's in next in line. I didn't plan this. I said I'm doing the Sermon on the Mount, and this is the next verses. So, and a lot of people don't like this subject, but we're going to talk about it anyway. And it looks like it was kind of being talked about a little toward I get here. Matthew 6, 19 and 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your heart is, there your heart will be also. Excuse me, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Have you found that to be true? You know, sometimes we're so wrapped up in, in this world and getting stuff that we don't have anything else. Uh, men are especially uh, bad at this in any way. The executives or the people hire up and work all the time. They work 80 hours a week, and their kids, they're lucky if they see them. That's where their heart is. Their heart's in doing that aspect. And they, they leave the rest of the family or their kids and everything to fend for themselves or let the wife raise them or whatever. So I'm trying to make a living. Well, there's making a living, and there's making a life. And the kids need a life. Kids need security. And if that means that you have to turn something off in order to do that, we need to do that. Uh, I know that people would rather go, go to work, spend all hours of that, than go out and play catch with your, with your kid. But I guarantee playing catches with your kid will pay more dividends than that money ever will. You only have one shot to raise each child you have. One shot, that's it. And they're going to emulate you. And uh, there was a song out the cat's in the cradle and the whatever it is. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, that's it. And he, the father never had time for the son. Never had time. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get you a mic up here and sing it. <laughs> but the father never had time for his kids. And he just grew up, and the kid, the kid kept asking him to come and do this, come and see this. And he says, sorry, son, but I got to go here. I got to do this. Well, the son, when he, he grew up, then the father asked him to come and, visit with him or come and do this. He says, sorry, Dad, I'd love to, but I've got to go do this. So our kids copy us. So if you don't have time for your children, they won't have time for their children, and so on and so forth. Like I said, we're one generation away from godliness, and we're about there, aren't we? I mean, the generation I grew up in was a, was a great generation. My dad's generation was called the greatest generation there was, and I followed that generation. And we're a pretty good generation. But as we've gone further away from that, we go further away from God. And that's where we're at. Because we're generation, one generation away. And it's our responsibility as parents and grandparents, if you're close enough to have an influence on your kids, to impart into them godliness. Because if we don't show them godliness and following God with our lives and our words, they won't. And this word, of course, this world's already in trouble if God don't intervene, right? Amen. <coughs> Uh, Richard Halverson, the chaplain of the U.S. Senate, a few years ago pointed out something that bothers a lot of people and excites a few. He said, Jesus Christ said more about money than about any other single thing because when it comes to a man's real nature, money is the first importance. Money is an exact index to a man's true character. All through Scripture, there is an intimate correlation between the de development of a man's character and how he handles his money. Have you found that to be true? I mean, all the people I know, I, can f I find that to be true. The people that they live, and it seems like the people live for their money, a lot of times don't have, more, have enough of it. And the ones that kind of, you know, I'm not worried about it, God's going to take care of me, they're the ones who seem like they're more at peace with it, isn't it? Uh, Matthew 6, 21. <coughs> for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our heart is where our treasure is. A lot of people, their treasure is in their new car that they have. Man, they go out there and they shine that thing till it'll sparkle and whatever. And man, you'll blind yourself off the headlights, you know. And there's no bugs that stick to that car. If there's a bug there, it's gone fast. So there's a lot of people that do that, aren't they? Do you know people like that? Or their house. That's their, that's their treasure. Man, I got my dream home. I'm building my dream home. And that's where their heart is. Or I'm whatever it is. My kids are my treasure. And people say, I live for my kids. And I used to say that. I said, man, I got to live for my kids. And, you know, and, and Randy, you know, when we were going together, 
<coughs> of course, like I said, I don't, you know, my Randy adopted my kids. And uh, I sit there, you know, because I was worried about my kids. I was worried about something would happen to me, and then he had a, my kids would end up with my ex-husband, who didn't really want to have nothing to do with them. And so I was, I was concerned about that, and I was worried about that. And I, you know, I was talking to Randy before we got married about it. And I said, man, I'm just concerned about that and worried about the kids because I want to live my life for the kids because it didn't do any good the other way, right? And he said, well, that's well and good, but one day those kids are going to grow up and they're going to be gone. And then what are you going to have? An empty nest. How many people get divorced after the nest is empty? Because their lives were entwined into their kids and when they were gone and scattered, they had no life. And that's the problem we have. We live in our lives for the wrong things or the wrong reasons. We need to live our lives for God. That's the reality. When we live our life for God, and I've told people this many times, you get this stuff in order, the rest of the stuff kind of falls into place. God is first, then your spouse if you're married, if not your parents, then your kids, then your church. We get all this stuff, and pastors are the worst of getting this order mixed up. Because it isn't just the people out there in the world working. There's a lot of time invested in being a pastor. You may not know it till you do it for a week. And I'll tell you, like I tell people, I resign every, th- every Monday and Thursday. <laughs> because there's so much frustration sometimes in being a pastor. It's frustrating when I come up here and I see all these empty seats that used to be full. That's hard. It's frustrating. And pastors like to, you know, they seem to spend more time, well, I got to do this and I got to do that. And they're so busy doing God's wor- will and God's work that they forget about the relationship with God. And everything else, their kids t- play second fiddle. So the pastors are the worst for the kids to grow up. And they say, I don't want to be anything to a church. I hate it. Why'd they hate it? Because it was number one in their dad's hearts or their mother's heart if they're the pastor. So we got to get the thing, the order straight. Because where your treasure is, that's your heart. And that's what influences everything you do in your life. When you go to the store, if your heart's wrapped up in your grandkids, because grand, you know, grandparents are great. I'd rather, I'm glad I'm a grandparent. I love being a grandparent. It's so much easier than being a parent, isn't it? All the grandmas said, amen. Because you can spoil them, you can give them things, and you don't care. Give them lots of sugar and send them home. It's lots of fun being a grandparent. I love it. But the problem is you have to be a parent before you can be a grandparent. Man, that's, that, that's terrible sometimes. I just want to be a grandparent. And if you don't have kids, we have a lot of kids around here you can kind of adopt. You know, Susie's good at, at helping kids. You know, she loves kids. She doesn't have any of her own. So she, you know, she's going to take yours and take them and influence them in a, in a lot of respect. And uh, she's done, you know, Austin loves Susie to death. She takes her and does things. But they have to do chores when they go to Susie's. It isn't all about riding horses. It's about cleaning up the remat, the residue. That's part of it. <laughs> and she teaches those things. She teaches those things to sometimes to a fault. But her, you know, if some parents would do some of the things she does with with other kids, be great, wouldn't it? Anyway, that's extra. I didn't come for that. But see, we our hearts are tied up with our money and our stuff too too often, and we say, "Well, that's just the world." No, it isn't. There's that same problem in the church. And we have a tendency to divide uh, worlds as the material world and the spiritual world. We think they're separate. But Jesus did not divide them. To him, they were all the same. They were all in the realm because you can't have, uh, get so involved in one or the other because it's a total package. You have to, we live in this spiritual world. I mean, we, we, excuse me, we live in a material world, and it's easier to see things in the material world. And we, we strive to do things in the material world. But if we put the same effort into our spiritual world, in our spiritual life, in our relationship with God, how, what would change? We would change, and so would everything else in this church would change if we did that. Some people talk spiritual, but talk is cheap. Talk is really cheap. And a lot of people just talk, 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 talk. And, and if you don't know that person or get to know them, you think, oh, man, they are so spiritual. They're such great Christians. But their mouth doesn't back up their words. They speak the words, but in their heart there is nothing there. They're empty. 
They're doing it for the external. That's what the Pharisees did during Jesus' time. And he spent the Sermon on the Mount correcting a lot of problems that had been going on during that time frame. And we're having that same problem today that Jesus had. And so that's why it's important to study the Bible, to see what's going on. Because we can get answers today from then. You think, oh, wow, that was over 2,000 years ago. That ain't relevant today. Oh, yes, it is. It's just as relevant as anything that you've ever read or heard in your life. More relevant. Because the Bible is the only um, thing that you can read that changes you. I know there's a lot of self-help books out there. And we feel good about it. And we go, oh, yeah, I am. And people go, I am the righteousness of Christ in, or of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness. You know, they say this stuff thinking if they keep repeating it, it's going to happen. But it isn't. It's got to be in here. I tell people they're going to miss heaven by 18 inches, the distance from their heart to their head. You can have all the head knowledge you want, but if you don't get it in your heart, you're lost. And Jesus died for the heart, for the sin that we have and who, what we are and who we are and who, we, who can we become in him. Some people attach their wallets to a belt with a chain. You've seen that? Usually it's truck drivers that do that. You know, I don't want to be picking my pocket. Well, God connects our wallets to our heart. I tell people many, many times, if God has your wallet, he has your heart. If you are, are t attached to that too firmly, then that's where your treasure is. God wants us to, to trust in him, and he'll take care of the wallet. We've got to take care of what we need to do first with him. Our relationship needs to be okay, okay with him, and he takes care of the other stuff. And only the people have found that to be true are the ones that, that take God at his word. He says, if you do this, I'll do that. But see, he wants us to do first. He says, if you give, I will give it back to you. Press down, shaking together, and running over. I will pour into your bosom. Now, we always think that's money, but it isn't necessarily money. There's more things in life more important than money. Good health, kids, grandkids, the people that we love, that's a lot more important than money. You can't buy love. People will follow all over you if you find out you got money. You can have a lot of so-called friends, but you find out your friends, who your friends are when you don't have any money. When you can't give, when you've given everything that you have, you find out who your friends are. And you'd be surprised because the ones that you think weren't, whatever, were, were be so great friends are the one first ones to go. But God gives us everything that we have. How many times have we heard that it takes breaks to get ahead, it takes money to make money, and we can't be too honest and get ahead today? Have you heard those things? And we believe them. That's why, that, that's why Satan lied to Christians and said, you can't be a politician because you, you can't be honest. Isn't that right? We figure all politicians lie. Well, I'd like to think that all politicians don't lie. I'd like to think that there are believers out there that are doing the best that they can and they tell the truth. We need to put those guys in office and those women in office, not the ones that can pump sunshine and we get into believe, oh, man, life is going to be so good. I don't have to work anymore. I don't have to do all these things. I'm going to vote for him. People vote for the things that they can get or fear of losing what they have. Well, we've lost a lot. Tax money and stuff uh, that we're going to start in January. You're going to be, when you start seeing what's going to kick in unless something happens, you won't like it because more money is going to be paid in taxes. And, uh, but elections coming up. Next month, November, vote. If you haven't registered, go register and go vote. Because God wants you to. It's God's will for you, go vote. Say, well, my vote don't count. How do you know? One of the Senate races that they put somebody in, there was only 300 votes that separated them. 300 votes out of I don't know how many thousands that voted. So that, that's a lot. And it's probably like one vote can change it. Because the majority rules. So your vote does count. Go register and go vote. Make a difference because God's going to hold you accountable for not voting and for voting for, for things that you shouldn't be voting for. We are supposed to be knowledgeable about people. We're supposed to know what where their heart is. What kind of things do they vote for? If they're going to vote for something that you disagree with, don't vote for them. I know sometimes it's you pick the worst of two evils. Well, that's what we have to do sometimes. In order to do that, because nobody's, well, nobody's fit to run. Well, that may be true. But if you don't vote, it's, we're going to get the worst of that, worst choice. So vote. 
I didn't plan on talking about that, but here's a A couple weeks, yeah, pray about who you want. Spend some time. Do a search on the Internet. How, what their heart, what do they believe in? What's their platform? What's their foundation? Because they are going to vote according to their foundation. And you need to find out what that is. See, but God gives us everything that we have. We don't, we don't have to listen to that stuff. You don't have to have money to make money. You need to have God. And if you mean money, he will make it for you. I've told you that God physically created money for me. Physically. I mean, he did it. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. I needed it, and he did it. And he can do it for anyone that's here, because God's no respecter of persons. You say, oh, man, I'd love to have been there for Paul and seen those miracle things that he did. Well, he's no respecter of person. You want to be a Paul? Look at the things he went through. He was beat, <laughs> stoned. I don't think I like that aspect of it. <laughs> so better be careful what you're hope, wishing for and praying for. God has a person that he wants you to be. It doesn't matter what it is because we're all part of the family and all part of the body. We are one body. And we cannot operate as a church without every part of the body doing their part. You say, well, I don't have any gifts in that. Yes, you do. God has given every one of us gifts. If you don't know what they are, then we need to, do, we, we need to find out. And a lot of times we, we have an inkling in our heart. Well, I feel like this is what it is, but I don't want to do that because I, I, that's too much work. Everything God calls you to do, he will equip you to do. Everything you have, God has given you. Money in the bank, a job, the knowledge to do that job, the opportunity to do that job. We, we need to start realizing God is responsible for everything we have. He created the world and everything in it. And he gave the people the minds and the talent to be able to, to uh, discover things. Whoever invented the internet, man, that's a great thing, isn't it? Man, I'll tell you, I wish I had the internet when I was going to school. Because when I turned in my thesis on things, we had to do thesis, and that's a large, big thing for every class. And uh, they, they deducted for penmanship, not penmanship, typo errors. And I didn't have a fancy little word processor. I had to type it by hand and use the little white stuff to white it out or start over. I'm not kidding you. I got so tired of starting over, I just said, hey, take the deductions off. So I could have got higher grades if my, if my words were spelled right, or I didn't put a space in there. I meant, this is very critical. I didn't like it, but they were. And uh, so we need to understand that all those things are important, but God gives us the ability. And now we have the Internet. We can look up on the Internet, but be careful what you get on there. Make sure that what you're studying, as far as biblical things are concerned, lines up with this. How do you know it lines up with this? You have to read it. If you don't read it, you can be tossed back and forth every wind of doctrine. I've read so much stuff on the internet about stuff. I'll see what's out there. And that I'm going, wow. If I didn't know better, I could believe that. But see, I know better. It's in here. And God said those that are his, he will keep them from following that doctrine. Unless you have got your mind set up, you want to do it. Because they tickle your ears. If I tickled ears this morning, this place would be packed. Because we like our ears tickled, don't we? Now, for those of you that, that uh, don't know what that is, that means I'm just telling you how good you are, how much God loves you. And, oh, you're just little darlings for God, and, and you, he's just our grandparent up there letting us do whatever we want. We like hearing that. How great and I, oh, man, I'll tell you, I'll pat my own stuff on the back. I'll just go to, go to church, and they'll pat me on the back. I feel so good when I leave because they pumped me sunshine, filled me with the sunshine uh, of, the, of what they're saying. But there's nothing in here. God doesn't want us to just have our ears tickled. He wants our hearts to be changed and our lives to be changed. That's why he died. He didn't die so he could tell us how wonderful we are. This word tells us we're not wonderful. Our righteousness is like a... Let's see how many kids in here. <laughs> a filthy rag, and that rag, a lot of people, for women that they have that are rags, that's, that's really bad. <laughs> So when you got thinking how good you are and how you're God's little darling, that's what your righteousness is like. And it isn't pretty. So, and it doesn't smell good. And it doesn't smell good in God's, no, um, God's nostrils when we try to put on airs and when somebody's telling us how wonderful we are. We need to have that. God loves every one of us. That's why he died. But we need to have the truth. The truth sets you free. Not tickling your ears. That isn't what you're going to do. God wants to set you free from whatever you're struggling with this morning. 
God gives us everything and the ability to do it. And the minute that we start thinking to look back and we think, oh, man, look what I got. Man, I make this money. I got money in the bank. And, oh, look at my new house and my new car. You've just stepped into pride. And you could lose it at any moment, <laughs> just as easy as you got it. A man said to his pastor, when looking at, at, our, at our, well, our church facilities up in Salt Lake, guy came and told him, he says, man, you sure fell into it when you came here because we had these million-dollar buildings that we got and the, the great facilities that we had. And he said, yeah, you're right, but you should have seen it when God had it all by himself. Because when, we, when he started doing all that stuff there, it was just vacant land. That's all it was. But see, people have a tendency to come in and say, oh, man, look what God did. Yeah, God did it, but he gave you the abilities to do it. And that's what we need to give God glory over. Not what we've done, what God did through us. That's God's will for our life, to do things through us. Not so we can stand back and say, oh, man, it's such great to be here. God, oh, I've done so much. No, you haven't. You haven't done anything. God gave you everything you have. Now, there is an element to hard work. I'm not uh, saying there isn't. We have to work hard in order for God to, to meet our needs and do the things that we have to do. We can't just sit back on my, uh, and just wait. Okay, God, I need some food. Bring the food in. Okay, God, I need, I need some transportation. Bring, some, bring a car in to pick me up. No, you have to get up and work. You have to get off of the chair you're sitting on or the couch potato, whatever it is, and go out there and do something. God blesses the works of our hands, and he gives us the abilities to use them. Now, Jesus can look at our checkbook for the last 30 days and tell us where we are spiritually. If he looks at our checkbook and we made $1,000 and we gave God 10 and we gave DirecTV a t- 100 or our tithe, what does that say about us? It says that our heart is in the entertainment and not into the church. I'm not saying you can't have DirecTV. I have DirecTV, and not just because I have DirecTV, it's okay. That ain't what I'm saying. I'm saying that these things are okay as long as they aren't where your heart is. You know, I've just come home from work, and I'm tired, and I just want to sit up there and just watch TV, and that's great. That's okay to do that, but you can't leave God out. Use the things. God gave us things to use and to be able to do things. I'm kidding. We are so blessed to have the things that we have. Just that in itself, if you didn't get, have enough money to have direct TV, or you didn't have money to have a really nice car, you are still blessed. You have more than what most of the people have in the world. So we need to understand that. Jesus never said how great poverty was. There's nothing in the Bible about that. He never talked about that. There's nothing spiritual about being poor or rich. And there's nothing wrong with things or money in and of themselves. That isn't where the problem is. Uh, 1 Timothy 6.17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God, who richly provides with us everything for our enjoyment. The question is, do I own my possessions or do they own me? A lot of people are owned by their possessions. It's amazing. I know these friends of ours, they'd like to come and visit, but they can't because nobody can take care of the bird for them, and it's a long drive. So they, their, their possessions are owning them. If you can't go anywhere because certain things have to be done every day at that house, who owns you? Who owns you? That house owns you. Yeah, it's great to have those things, and I'm not saying you shouldn't have them. I'm just saying that our attitude toward those things have got to be the way that God has attitude toward those things are. And we can't let them own us. We can't let them dictate how our life is going to be because that's what happens, isn't it? People go, they'll think, that, oh, man, I can go buy a, a $400,000 home and I make $10 an hour. That's what happened in the big crash that we had not long ago. They couldn't afford it, but they finagled the paperwork to make it look like they could. So after the initial period, six-month time, they lost it. It was repossessed. Why? Because they couldn't afford it. Everything we do, we need to pray about. God, I mean, if you got the money for a new house, I say, God, is it okay if I, if I have a new house? And look, sit down and put a pencil to it. Unless God in that overwhelmingly tells you to do it, it's not wise to go, be, go beyond your means. We have a problem in America with people living beyond their means. And uh, our government has, had, has the problem of subsidizing some of this stuff. 
which is bad, but they're doing it to get, to get your vote. Man, we got to have one. That's why we want to do this. So we, they'll keep us in office and we can make all this money and have all this power while you're poor. Everything that we have, they can be used either good or bad. There isn't anything bad or good about a thing. Music is a gift from God and can be positive, isn't it? But Satan can take it and use it for evil, and he has. I tell you, I've heard, listened to these songs by accident when you're scanning it on the radio going someplace, and I'm not kidding you. I, I, it's just, whoa, what is this stuff? You can't even understand the word, but there's something in your spirit that says, man, I don't want any part of that. I don't know what kind of music it is, but it isn't glorifying to God. As believers, we need to listen to stuff that glorifies God. I'm not saying you can't listen to other songs. I'm just saying make sure that when you listen to that, that Jesus was sitting in the car with you because he is. He's sitting right next to you. Hopefully, he's in the driver's seat. But some of these songs, man, I'll tell you, it just, ooh, like nails on chalkboard. <laughs> but everything we do needs to glorify God. I like the oldies, and to me, the oldies are the 60s. Some of you are the oldies are the 70s. The 80s, <laughs> whatever they are. And the music changes from generation to generation. I remember uh, during the generation I grew up and all, the Beatles hit the scene and, and all these um, English groups come in and, and parents and that had a hemorrhage about all this music. Now they would wish that that's what it was like. <laughs> if you have kids, you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's scary. So music has been used in the wrong way. Money and things can be good or evil, depends on how we use it. It's up to us how they influence us. Of course, if it goes against this, it's not a question at all. We need to be aware that the devil wants to use those things to harm us. Sometimes the worst thing that can happen to somebody is they get money. These people that win the lottery, oh, man, it's a great deal, and they're so excited about it. But in a few years, it's gone, and they don't know what they spent it on, and they're worse off than they was before. I'll say, I keep telling God, I can handle it. I've told you many times, you have just as much money as God can trust you with. When God can trust you with more, he'll give you more. And I pray, God, I know you can trust me, honest, you can. <laughs> give me some more. I can do all this stuff. And people say, oh, man, if I win the lottery or if I get this job, I'll pay my tithes. No, you won't. If you can't pay them on the dollar, you'll never pay them on the thousand. That's the reality of it, and God blesses it. Now, Matthew 6, 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Don't store up. Don't hoard or stockpile stuff. I've, and I've seen on the TV, I don't know if I've watched it or not, but I've seen kind of some of the other shows that have shown people that are hoarders. There's a movie, Hoarders. It's still on the series. And you go in there, and all that stuff, and some people, they won't throw nothing away. You go through there, and you can't see a chair. You can't see nothing because they got stuff piled all over the place. Because they're hoarders. They hang on to stuff. They just, the death grip. And they just, that, that's where their treasure is and what they can get. And a lot of times, a lot of people that lived through the Depression, they had a hard time with stuff because money was so tight that they couldn't do anything. So they had to hang on to it because they're afraid to throw anything away. I'm not a hoarder. Randy's more of a hoarder than I am. <laughs> when we moved here, I ordered one of those 40-foot uh, roll-offs for junk stuff, you know. And he said, what did you do? Come home. He says, what are you doing with that? We don't need that. We ain't got enough junk. I said, it was full. And some of that stuff he hasn't missed in 12 years, 11 years. He hasn't missed it because he didn't know what he had, what he didn't have. So I got rid of it. I'm using this, wow, 10 years since I've even seen this. So Sometimes we hang on to stuff we don't necessarily do. I'm not telling you to go home and start throwing stuff away. I ain't what I'm saying. This verse is talking about overindulgent, over having stuff to, for show. I got to buy a new car every year. Or you buy a new car and six months later you say, man, I like that car better. So then you go buy another car. We just want stuff. Want. We just desire it. We want it. We need to control our heart about those things. In Jesus' day, wealth was found in three areas. The clothing they possessed, the amount of food stored up, and how much gold you had. See, in this verse, Christ is clearing up all the misunderstanding about wealth and money. See, they thought that if you have money and things and stuff, that God was blessing you. 
And if you were poor and didn't have a lot of stuff, then God wasn't blessing you. And God, Jesus come along and says, this doesn't mean nothing. It has nothing to do with it. There's a lot of, a lot of poor people that are pleasing God. There's a lot of rich people that aren't. It has nothing to do with it. I don't understand why some people have more than others. That's between me and God. But I do know that wealth has destroyed a lot of people. Hasn't it? A lot of people, they've, they've destroyed. They get a lot of money, and they, and they isn't satisfying enough, and, and they, they go get in drugs and get involved with all this other stuff. They get arrested, and every time they get arrested, it's on the front page of the news. And then they get off because they have money. I don't understand it. They're no better than I am. I don't care who they are. They're no better than you are. I don't care how much money they've got. They're no different than we are. God created us all equal, and he just gave us other gifts. And there's some people, and today we have a lot of it, what's called the prosperity gospel. Grab it, blab it, and grab it. Slot machine religion. And I, I believe that God wants to prosper us. And uh, I believe that fully. And we have this other, the other doctors name it and claim it. And you can go out and lay your hands on the hood of a car all you want, on that old ship, and you say, Cadillac, 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 Cadillac. That's name and claim it. God didn't promise that. Now, he may give you a Cadillac. He can give you a Cadillac. He'll give you whatever your heart can handle. And if you get your heart right with God, you might find out you're more blessed being obeying it because those things aren't as important to you as they used to be. I found that as I got older, things aren't as important as I used to think they were. The things that, are, that are, aren't, that we used to think isn't a big deal, they are. Family is the most important thing we can have outside of God. Church family. And all those things that, that we wouldn't even think about. Most people, more people have been ruined by prosperity than have been ruined by poverty. Because people in poverty, or what we would call poverty, uh, they pray more. They have to trust God more. And if the other people did, maybe their lives would change. And the amazing thing is the poor are usually more faithful in giving. Their money and their time. People that have a lot of stuff and wealthy by our standard, they think, I don't need God. I got my own stuff. I don't have to worry about it because I can do it myself. Who, who is God gonna, heart gonna, whose heart is going to be right with God? And you, you can have a lot of stuff as long as your heart's right. It doesn't matter because nothing is permanent in this world. Dr. John Maxwell is one of the world's top Christian experts on money. Back when he pastored in California, he had a man in his church who came to him with a financial problem. He said, I used to make $200 a week, and I tithe my $20 faithfully, but now I make 10 times that, and I'm having trouble turning loose of that $200 tithe. It doesn't seem fair when most don't have, have to give that, give near that much. What can I do? Maxwell pulled him to his knees and said, let's pray about it. Then he prayed, Lord, my brother here is having trouble obeying you. His problem started when you began blessing him so much financially. Lord, I pray you'll bring providential circumstances into his life that will reduce his salary back to where it used to be so he can once again obey you. He jumped them and said, oh, no, I can tithe, I can tithe. <laughs> and, and that's a big problem for people. You know, we try to teach our kids to tithe, and we give them, you know, if you give them a dollar allowance or whatever it is, and to teach them, they have to give 10 cents to God. If you teach them that, they'll grow up and do it. Because it's not our money, it's God's money. Everything we own is God's. And we need to understand that. See, the Old Testament, giving was like a dam, and you gave what spilled over, which was the tithe. But New Testament teaching is like a pipeline where everything flows through us. People say, well, I'm in the New Testament. I'm not in the Old Testament. I'm not in the law. I'm under grace. Jesus came to fulfill the law but not abolish it. He didn't say, hey, you don't have to tithe anymore. You don't have to do any of this stuff anymore. He didn't tell us that. He said, I will help you. I will let your heart and, and me cover, your right, cover you with my righteousness. I will cover you. But we have to strive to do what God wants us to do, irregardless of it. And uh, giving is the hardest area for people that they have. One question they ask is, do I pay, it on, pay on the net or do I pay on the gross? Now, I'm not going to tell you one way or the other, but you can look at it like this if you want. On, what, on which do you want God to bless you on, the net or the gross? Doesn't matter. You know, as long as you're paying it however you want to do it, you have, you've settled that in your heart. But when we uh, rob from God what belongs to him, that's not an issue. 
There's no one in here that, you, that tell you you don't have to. And I've had a lot of people tell me, uh, well, I tithe my time, not my money. Okay, that's fine. But I don't think anybody here does that, generally. There's 168 hours in a week. I mean, 16.8 hours is given to God. Do you give 16.8 hours a week to God? You come here for maybe two hours on Sunday and maybe an hour on, on Wednesday? That's three hours. There's another 13.8 hours you're missing. And I would love it if you would tithe your time, giving the money for that time to God on the tithe. Because then, at $10 an hour, that would be $168 a week. Um, excuse me, yeah, $168 an hour. Uh, I'll get it in a minute. It would be $168 a week at $10 an hour. Which would you rather pay? $40 or $168? It's simple. See, we just try to figure it, finagle a way to get around giving God what belongs to him. And if your life is, is in, in a mess on certain things, look at your checkbook and see. What is important to me? That's where you see what's important. Say, well, I have everything automatically taken out. Well, look at that. Look at your bank statement and see what is important to you. We kind of give God our leftovers. That's what we do. Well, I, and I have so many people tell I can't afford to pay my tithes. I tell them you can't afford not to. People will never prosper the way that God wants them to prosper until they're obedient. I learned this a long time ago. I can't claim, claim the promise that God will supply my needs if I'm being disobedient to him. And if I'm being wasteful. I know people, I'm a kid, they drive me crazy. They go out and they, uh, they'll spend their money on a bunch of stuff they can't afford. And they don't have the money to pay their bills. So I'll just trust God. Well, good luck with that. Best thing God could do with you is show you tough love and not meet at that time till you learn. We need to be obedient to God. And the next question people say is, where do I bring my tithe? The Bible tells you you bring your tithe to the church. That's where you bring it. Not to a televangelist. If you're giving your tithe to a televangelist, you are being disobedient to God. I mean, if you want to give to them after you've paid your tithes, that's fine. But the, first, the 10% belongs to God. That's, not a, that's a given. And too many people are given to things and, instead of giving to their church. The televangelists, and I'm not saying you can't give to them. I support some people that I, that I like. I'm not saying you can't do it. But it's not out of the 10%. That 10% isn't, is non-negotiable. That goes to the church to run the building. And you'd be surprised what it costs to run this building. You think, well, man, there's a, not, whatever. How much is your light bill? Is your house bigger than this? It's heating and cooling it. Most of your houses aren't this big. So I know what I pay at my house, and it isn't this big. So we need to realize that it costs money to run this church. And uh, if everybody paid their part, it would be easy. God wants to supply our needs through us. Not when I've had people call me on the phone, which shocked me that one year when we started working on the kitchen. They called me from Minnesota. I think it was Minnesota. And said, God told me, then I'm supposed to give you some money. All right. This is cool. And he sent us a check for $2,000. Sure, he was a doctor, but it doesn't matter. He passed through here while he was vacationing. And like three months later or four months later, he says, God told me to give you this money. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It was kind of verification that what we're doing, we're going the right direction. And that, you know, because I've never had that happen before. Never. I hear other people talk about that. But when it happens to you, we go, all right, thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. And when people are obedient, God meets the needs. Sometimes it's in Michigan or in wherever it is, Minnesota. So God can do it. God can supply our needs, and he will supply our needs because he promised to. But God wants us to pay our part. And if everybody pays their part, see, God is the only one that has giving fair. The world isn't. The world isn't fair. God says to give you 10% of whether you make a dollar or $1,000. It's the same. Our tax system isn't fair. The more money you have, the higher taxes you pay. I wish they'd adopt God's plan. Ten per, I wish I just had to pay 10% of, in taxes, don't you? Man, do away with all the taxes and stuff and just take 10% out of everybody's money. They would have more money, and we would have more money. Because I know we pay more than that. And that new law's taking effect on some of the stuff. It's going to be almost 40% of the money they're going to take. 
That's why it's 1040, you get 10, the government gets 40. That's their idea of being fair. So if we did it God's way, we wouldn't be having these problems that we're having. Money and stuff impacts our heart and our, affect, and our affections if we let them. Matthew six nineteen. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Things are temporary. I mean, they're here today and gone tomorrow. You buy a brand new car off the lot, as soon as you drive it off the lot, you lost money. Because it depreciates that fast. And it's only temporary. If you've had cars for a long time, sooner or later they're going to start giving you problems because they get old. I'm getting old, and I've been having problems because I'm old, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to that new body. Woo! Aren't you? Oh, I'm excited about that. That's really exciting to me. It isn't to you probably because your, your body's probably in better shape than mine is. <laughs> but if you're living for things, remember things will be gone in a moment. During the great, uh, mark, the great stock market crisis that we had that one year, people were jumping out of the windows and killing themselves. Beca why? Because their money, their lives were wrapped up in the money, into the things, and they couldn't live without the things, so they might as well die. If your life is like that, it can be gone in an instant. We found that to be true. No matter what it is that you have, it's only temporary. You have a new house, one day it'll be old. One day someone else will be living in that house. That's the reality of life. The only thing that's permanent is what we do for God. So we need to understand that. And the things don't satisfy, do they? Look at the rich people. They have all the money that they want and all the things they can buy. Are they happy? Are they satisfied? Only the ones that are believers are because their life isn't wrapped up on things. We have a lot of uh, people that are very wealthy that give a lot to God's work and their lives are blessed. The people that hoard stuff and, and are so tight-fisted with stuff, it's hard for God to bless because you can't receive God's blessing with a closed hand. Well, if we hang on to everything that's temporary so tight, God can't give you some eternal stuff, things that, that are really important to us. And how do you know if you have enough? How, desiring more is like walking on a treadmill. How many have ever been on a treadmill and got anywhere? You can be on that treadmill for 10 hours and you're going to end up right where you started. That's what, that's what desiring stuff is. It's just a treadmill that has no uh, goal for us. A wealthy farmer had thousands of acres in his county. Someone said, you must have set a goal long ago to own all the land in this county. He said, no, I never had a goal that had that goal. All I ever wanted to have is, was the land next to, next to mine. The land next to mine. Seems like one ain't that big a deal. But then we get that land, then there's land next to that one, and next to that one. Because it's never enough. Never. It'll never satisfy anyone. Because you'll want more, 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 more. And that's what your life is, is uh, wrapped up in. Matthew 6, 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. We need to switch banks from the one in Canab to the one in heaven. We need the one in the bank, the one in Canab, to take care of our put a place, to put our money, so we can distribute it to our bill collectors and so on. But we need to realize that only there's a lot of eternal things that we need to be doing and giving because that's permanent. God's bank is burglar-proof, rust-proof, decay-proof, corrupt-proof, invulnerable, impregnable. Doesn't need FDIC, and the interest is out of this world. Every time you drop your offering in the in the bag. You can whisper it to it silently, see you in heaven. We cannot outgive God. And that applies to here on earth as well. We are not only promised a blessing there, we're promised to be blessed here. And when our hearts and lives are wrapped up in God as far as our desires and things, we'll be happier. Every hour invested in serving God will be rewarded in heaven. Every single thing you do for God, I don't care what it is, talking to your neighbor about God, you'll be rewarded for it. Everything you do for God and with the right heart, you'll be rewarded for. If God gave you the ability to be a mechanic, you be the best mechanic you can be and get, do it for God's glory, and God will reward you for it because you're obedient to what he wants you to do. I'm going to be rewarded for doing what I'm doing here, but I'm also going to be judged to a higher standard. If I said anything here that goes against what this word says, I don't ever want to do that. I do enough studying in that to hope and pray, God, do not let me do that. I don't ever want to do that. 
And that's what we need to do. We need to let the things that we do in our life glorify God. That's what I want. It isn't so. It isn't for you if you want to say, okay, that's a good sermon or whatever, that's great. But I want us to glorify God. I want to preach to please God. Because I'm going to be held accountable for it. And I'm going to give it account of every word that comes out of my mouth. You will too, but it's, you know, mine's every word I come up here because I'm influencing you <laughs> or trying to. <clears throat> a farmer had two kids. Oh, let me do 621, Matthew 621 first. I'll skip that and then I'll miss the thing. For where your heart is, Treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus said our treasure affects our heart. The rich young ruler's problem wasn't that he had great possessions. It's that the great possessions had him. That was a problem. And he, if possessions have us, we are slaves to it. They dictate your life to you. You can't, you can't do anything because you've di- it dictates to you what you're going to do. You've overextended yourself, so you have to work 60 hours a week instead of 40. And so you have no time to do anything else. You have no time for your family or anything else. God won't bless it. God will hold you accountable, especially fathers who are be the ones that held as the head of the family. Guys. A farmer's cow had two calves, one solid and one spotted. He told his wife he felt like led to raise them and give the profit from one of them to the work of the Lord. She thought, she thought that was a great idea. She asked which one. He said, doesn't matter. A few days later, he came in and said, Honey, I have some bad news. What? The Lord's calf died. That's kind of what we do, isn't it? <laughs> we have stuff and say, Oh, it's God's stuff. As soon as we start having a problem, what's the first thing we get rid of? God. We throw God out of the mix. I'm sorry, God. I can't afford you this week. I had this problem. I had a flat tire. I need to buy a new tire. So guess what? I'm using your money for it. I guarantee you, you won't be blessed. When you're blessed, your tires will last longer. The tires on our car, we finally had it changed, and the guys couldn't believe there was that many miles on it. We got more miles on it. Why? Because we trust God, and we're faithful. We try to be faithful, and God makes things last longer. Now, I know, ladies, you don't like that idea sometimes because you want to buy more shoes, or you've got to buy a handbook handbag that goes with everything, every pair of shoes. i got to have this. Why? Because they go with the shoes. And then i got to buy a new outfit because they go with the shoes and the handbag. God will make things last longer when we're faithful. And we won't, and it's amazing. Sometimes we're going to have, I'm not, not saying that if you pay your tithes, you're not going to have financial difficulties. Because I'd be lying to you. Because the devil's going to stick his hand in the mix all every chance he gets. It's how we respond that matters. See, Job, he lost about everything he had. <clears throat> he lost all of his kids, lost all of his wealth. The only thing he didn't lose was his nagging wife. <clears throat> the only thing he didn't lose. And wives, don't nag. <laughs> don't be a thoroughbred and lag. Be a thoroughbred, yeah. So we need to understand that and, and do things God way, God's way. When times get tough, don't throw the Lord out. Lot and his uncle Abraham accumulated great wealth, and their herdsmen kept fighting, so Abraham suggested they split up. And Lot chose the well-watered plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. His mistake was, he said, that's a good place to raise cattle, but he never thought about whether it was a good place to raise kids. How many times do we let a good job offer or a raise or a promotion affect our decisions without us talking to God? We don't think about whether, if we have to move, is that a good place to raise kids? Is there a good church there? We don't think about those things. We think, oh, man, I got more money. Double what I'm making, and that's what we're influenced by. And sometimes if it's too good to be true, it isn't true. The devil will do all kinds of things for you that looks good. That's why you have to run, run everything past heaven. <coughs> Lot moved to Sodom wealthy and prosperous, but left with nothing. Didn't he? We can love money or stuff and leave this world as a prince, but will we enter the next a pauper? There's a lot of people as we look around here, and, and I don't know uh, all the details of what happened to get this church where it is to this day, but those people that, that put the first building up or the first piece of rock or nail or whatever that they did, they're still getting paid interest on their sacrifice to do that. Everything that you do for God, I don't care, and it goes on and on and on no matter what it happens. I mean, if the Lord tarries 100 years from now, every person that's saved in this church, I get a piece of. You get a piece of. You support this church, you get a piece of it. Every missionary we support and every work that they do, you get a piece of it if you support missionaries. 
Everything we do for God, we get a piece of it, and it plays on and on and on and on until God says it's over. That's it. Time will be no more. Then we'll have our reward <coughs> fully. And we get reward in this life too. Now, Jim Elliott, a famous missionary, I don't know who you know who he is. He's an Assembly of God manager, ministry, mini- missionary who went to the Ica Indians, and they got killed. Just, they didn't even get out of the boat on the shore, and they got killed with arrows and spears. They shot them and killed them. Anyway, these are his words, and it's very famous what he said. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot give, keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Are you given the stuff that you cannot lose? That's where everything that's important stuff is because everything else is temporary. One day everything's going to be gone. And one day when time is no more and God re- renovates the earth, he's going to create a new heaven, new earth. And everything that you see in this earth is going to be built, burned up and purified. And he's going to create, make a new heaven and a new earth where no more sin will live. That's an exciting thought. So everything you see here one day is going to be gone and it's going to be remade. Where's your heart this morning? Where's your treasure? I want it to be where God wants it to be. And God wants us to give our, to our local church and support that first. That's, a, that's number one. That's the number one thing we're supposed to do. Are you faithful? I know that people don't like to talk about giving, and most pa- you know, pastors, they teach about, teach about that, they'll run them out of church. But we have a very giving church here. We do. You people are faithful, and you give, and I, I'm thankful for that. I think we probably have a higher percentage of tithers than these great fancy churches that you see. When you're faithful to God, he's faithful to you. And when we're faithful to God, we can say, God, you promised in your word that you would meet my needs. And he will. I've never had God not meet my needs. Has anybody here that's been faithful to God had God not meet their needs? If you say yes, I want to see your checkbook. Aha. We need to be faithful to him. But we can't store up treasure in heaven if heaven is not your final destination. You can do all the good deeds you want, but if your heart hasn't been changed, might as well just go flush it down the toilet. But if you want to do that, it's all right. We'll still take your money. We'll still take it. God can still use it. I've had people say, I'm not going to take tithes from these sinners in Vegas or on the strip or whatever it is. I says, why? The devil's had that money long enough. It's about time 